going to the fair, the voice recited in a European accent, said simple Simon to the pieman, Give me your pies, or I'll cave your goddamn head in. There was a pause, as if the caller were waiting for Cobb to react to the punchline. He held his breath, waiting for the call to get to the point. Is there a detective named McLean there? Cobb groaned silently. He's on suspension, he replied flatly. No, Walter, the European just as flatly contradicted. Not today. Who is this? Cobb demanded. Call me Simon, the voice replied. Bonvit Teller was just for show. Cobb felt a sharp, stabbing sensation in his body, the start of what promised to develop into a very nasty attack of ulcers. What do you want, he asked, digging in his pocket for his antacid tablets. To play a game. What kind of game? Simon says. Simon spoke in a low, sinister tone. In the next few hours, Simon's going to tell Detective McLean what to do, and Detective McLean is going to do it. Non-compliance will result in a penalty. What penalty? Ten pounds of explosives in a very public place. Cobb swallowed hard. He covered the phone with his hand and yelled into the other room, Lambert, Kowalski, you know where McLean is? Lambert shrugged. He ain't in church. Well, find out what rock he's under and turn him over, Cobb barked, and take Walsh with you. He took a deep breath and removed his hand from the receiver. What is it you want McLean to do? He asked the caller. Simon says Detective McLean is to go to the corner of 138th Street and Amsterdam. That's in Harlem, if I'm not mistaken. Cobb sighed and wondered why this Simon character had to choose John McLean to do his bidding. McLean, who followed orders only when it suited him to do so, reveled in flaunting authority, attracted trouble like steel filings to a magnet. He seemed to thrive on the dizzying thrill that came from taking risks. He started to fall apart when his wife had accepted a new job out in Los Angeles. He'd gone to see her, the first Christmas they'd been living apart, and almost got himself killed when a gang of terrorists had taken over the high-rise office building where she worked. He'd saved a lot of lives that day and wound up a hero. Cobb wondered whether Lambert would remember to pick up a container of coffee for McLean. Chances were better than good that John was either recovering from last night's hangover or getting an early start on a new one. A lush, a madman, and ten pounds of explosives. Cobb opened his drawer, found the roll of antacids, and popped three in his mouth. Lambert knocked on McLean's door, four sharp raps that were followed by silence. Kowalski nudged Lambert out of the way and pounded on the door with her fist. Still no response. Walsh stepped up to take his turn, but Kowalski shook her head. If McLean was home, he obviously wasn't in the mood for company. She stepped backwards a couple of paces and waited for Lambert and Walsh to line up alongside her. On the count of three, they hurtled themselves forward, grunting as their shoulders made contact with the thick wooden surface. The door crashed inward, and they almost fell into McLean's apartment. The decor was early bachelor, a ratty-looking couch with cigarette burns, crumpled beer cans, and a couple of half-empty pizza boxes. "'You ever smell anything like this?' asked Walsh, holding his nose. Lambert shook his head. The place reeked of stale smoke, spilled booze, and garbage that should have been thrown away a week ago. Kowalski bent to pick up a container of milk that lay on its side, thought better of it, and looked up to find McLean, yawning at them from the doorway of his bedroom, wearing shorts and a tank top. "'Hi, fellas,' he said, lighting a cigarette. Despite a steady diet of booze, cigarettes, and junk food, he'd somehow managed to keep himself in decent shape, but his short hair, tussled from sleep, 
was beginning to go gray at the temples. Kowalski stared at him in dismay. Jesus, John, she said. McLean was so hungover that Walsh and Lambert had to prop him up in the shower. They threw him into the back seat of the car and assigned Walsh, the most junior member of the team, the job of keeping him propped up and more or less awake. Cobb had told him to radio ahead, and he had the van ready to go as soon as they arrived. McLean sat with his eyes closed, his head leaning against the side. Every time the van hit a bump, McLean's head bounced backwards against the wall. The man didn't even flinch. Jesus, John, you look like shit, Cobb said. McLean's eyes flickered open. He motioned to Kowalski, who handed him a large cup of coffee, black. Lambert passed her a bottle of aspirin, and she doled out four to McLean. More, he said. Kowalski put two more into the palm of his outstretched hand. When he nodded at her to keep going, she reluctantly added another two. Cobb's stomach ached just from watching McLean swallow eight aspirins. With